Episode 123 of Tell Me Where to Turn, the official podcast of technical difficulties. So did you notice that guy that was asking a whole bunch of questions about our recording equipment? I felt like he was really setting me up for like a long joke, but he never pulled a punchline, so maybe he was serious. Yeah, I think those were serious questions. Okay, because I, I thought he was just going to s- see how long he could string me along and then make some kind of joke about how terrible it sounds because it was, you know, <laughs> what do you record with? What, what do you use? What kind of mixer? What's the model number? And I was like, I, I know I'm, I'm just like walking into this joke here, but... Yeah. No, there was no... There was no finishing move. There was no joke there. It was just general uh, honest inquiry. You know you don't have to hold the mixer in your lap, right? Uh, this is I, I like it feels comfortable this way. In case they get too excited during the podcast, <laughs> the levels start going up. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of, <laughs> if you see, if you see the the mixer seems to be levitating <laughs> as we go through the content for tonight. I don't know if there will be anything that would trigger such a uh, response. Well, speaking of podcast, who are you exactly? Oh, uh, I'm Glenn. You can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven on Twitter. You can find me at Tommy two underscore zero. Always there to answer your technical podcast questions. If you'd like to know the model number of our mixer, just hit me up on Twitter. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. I now tweet once a week. On Mondays, I ask KJ a question, and that's it. <laughs> it's a good bit, though. That is kind of a good bit. You can find the show at Word to Turn Pod. Man, your your mic still doesn't sound great, and Dave sounds so good. Like this is this is what's frustrating is you literally have hundreds of dollars more equipment in your lap right now, and Dave's in Austin, just looking as casual as he could possibly look with a big sign behind him that says Austin, and he sounds crystal clear. Your furrowed brow looking at all these lights and knobs and levers, and you sound terrible. It could just be my voice. Have you ruled that out? <laughs> oh, I think you have a very nice voice. Oh, no, thank that. you. I think I, I told you appreciate told that. You that the first time we met. Right before I asked it you... It was weird. Yeah, right before I asked you if you knew how to build a DVR and... If you knew what really happened to the intimidator, told you well, you had a, a nice weird voice. way to greet someone in the restroom. But hey, you have different come from a different culture, different background. No, I do, I do. It's it's very true. So I know you guys have uh, have something to kick us off. But before uh, before that, I just wanted to ask: Are you going to be able to podcast okay tonight above the noise of them installing the fence in your backyard? <laughs> Still on. Uh, Team no fence. Um, Next week, that's not going to change. It's a a holiday week, you know? You can't put up fence. Yeah, you have a holiday. You have a trip you're taking this weekend, I understand. 
Uh, yeah. Do I get to sleep inside your house, or do you have like an RV? Or how's that going to work? <laughs> Listen, I've made accommodation arrangements for you at a nearby hotel. You'll be allowed to come over for one hour a day and ask, and ask one and, and ask one question, much like Dave. Meager accommodations. <laughs> we require rooms very poor. Well, then you uh, you came to the wrong the wrong county for that. But we'll so, talk. Tommy, refresh me on the uh, on the fence. Is it all of 2019, or was there a smaller window? No. What I told him is. I win the bet when we're recording our first podcast of 2020, and he still has no fence. Okay. So here we are in uh, you know mid-June, and we're just going to get a weekly check-in of him not having a fence. My kind of... I think, I think it will happen this year. I think after about 51 days, Glenn will, <laughs> Glenn will have Project Showtime or Operation Showtime. And a fence will get built. <laughs> wow, that was a great callback, though. I didn't know where you were going for a second. It took me a minute to get with you, but... Yeah, yes. fence does look like good. Oper- make good kindling. Uh, Operation Showtime. So I understand that uh, those of you who still live in Texas had the opportunity to attend a sporting event last week. Yeah, Dave and I went on a uh, little wrestling trip to the Southside Ballroom in uh, in South Dallas. Now, that does not leap to mind as a wrestling venue to me. I would assume wrestling would take place at the American Airlines Center, perhaps the Sportatorium. R.I.P. Sportatorium. I thought it ended up being pretty sufficient as yeah. far as like the, the ring layout and everything. So did they have chairs, or was it just all standing room around the ring? Oh, there were chairs. You didn't get to keep the chairs, but there was plenty plenty of chairs with our, our ringside seats on the fourth row. Wow. So Third. At the, third row. So Excuse me. At the Southside Ballroom, did uh, were there any seats that were not ring seat, ringside seats? Because I would feel like the ring would take up the majority of the building. So, for one, uh, I think, Dave, you pointed out that it appeared, in your opinion, that the ring was smaller than what they would normally use. It, it certainly wasn't the 20 by 20 ring. It, I'm, I don't think it would have gone 16 by 16. I think it was 18, 18 by 18. So but it was definitely it back. small. Yeah, they cut it back by a couple of feet. So, if you've ever been to that venue, essentially... They used the stage where a, a musical artist would perform as the ramp to walk in. And the floor area right in front of the stage where the quote-unquote mosh pit would be was where the ring was. And then chairs on three sides. Seen like the ropes and where the chairs are either. So there was very little in the Finn Balor flying out of the ring action. Interesting. So did you guys ask for a refund of your tickets because the ring was slightly smaller? Or did you say that you paid for a full ring, so you wanted a, since you only got 90% of one, you, you want 10% of your money back? Did I do the math right there? We were, we were going yeah. to, but as soon 
as the show kicked off and the Street Profits music hit, we were just like, oh, we're good. So we're they good. opened the show. Wow. So was Glenn was Glenn's shirt off immediately at that point? Man, I was I was all in at that point. With the solo was, cup. This is our money well spent. But we haven't even gotten uh, we haven't gotten to the show yet. I mean, getting from my house to NXT was the first adventure where we where we dodged possible death, or at least I did twice. And then the show itself is another story. So Dave picked me up at my uh, small, meager home here. And uh, <coughs> two, oh, sorry. Two, two and a half hours before the show started. So we go have a little dinner. Wait, wait a fellowship. minute. This this story is already not checking out. If it's Point Break Dave and he's not at the event four hours before it opens, <laughs> this sounds like a made-up story to me. I'd already been out front of Southside Ballroom and then went back <laughs> to Glenn's house to get him. So he he picks me up and uh, like, where are we going to go eat? I was like, well, I have an idea. There's a new place that opened a few minutes from my house. It's called Knockout Sports Bar. I've never been in there, but they've got a big advertisement on the side of the building that says 69 cent wings. <laughs> so I'm like, how, how can this nice. go wrong? Very nice. So we walk in there at five o'clock on a Saturday and uh, not a whole lot of people in there. I mean, it's not a, that popular of a time to be at such a venue, but maybe 12 people in there tops sitting around the bar. Yeah. And so we just grab a table. There is a sign that says essentially seat yourself and then we'll, uh, you know, you'll be taken care of. We proceed to sit down at a table, and Dave, how long did we sit there without any communication at all from from a from a staff member? It was a long time. It was. It felt like ten minutes, maybe more. I think we were in the ten to fifteen minute range. Yeah, and we know Dave's penchant for waiting at restaurants. So, was he was he up asking to see a manager already? No, I mean, we sat down, we just talked, kind of checked the place out for five minutes or so, and then we were like, what's going on? We're like, you know what? Let's give him five more minutes. I don't want to be calling the manager or anything like that. There was one waitress that was working the floor, but there was just us and one other table. But she was over talking to the other group like the whole time we were there. No one's paying any mind to us. There were There were people that worked there they weren't part of the wait staff. I don't know if it was an assistant manager, manager, one of the wing cooks. I don't know. But there was one or two people that were clearly worked there that were just kind of standing near the kitchen area. Could clearly see that we're just sitting there. No one's helping us. Nobody moved a muscle. Nobody barely stopped looking at their phone long enough. So, I mean, if I wanted to... <laughs> If I wanted to just sit somewhere for 10 or 15 minutes and not be serviced, I would have just stayed home. <laughs> wow. So that's not a, not a glowing review of knockouts. No. And so, yeah, I mean, yes. you couldn't, you couldn't order wings there. Like if someone had said, if you bring some wings home on time, <laughs> like you would have no shot. Cause you wouldn't be able them. to get there on time. So after that brief stay, Dave said, um, I think it's time to go somewhere else. 
and there happened to be a place close by we could go to that's also the birthplace of this podcast. Oh my! A little so we trip down there. memory lane. <laughs> yeah. So, is it a place uh, where they might just, have you know, a lot of debris and dead bodies near the summit that need to be cleaned up? <laughs> no, but <laughs> there's a long hey, line was, of people waiting to ascend. What was the oh, sign yeah. they had posted there? So they have like a little closed off room that's like for cigars. Like it said something cigar bar, but it's part of the restaurant. But it had a sign on there. It was like no biker like cuts or like basically their patches, like whatever they right. wear to identify them. Basically, they don't want a Waco repeat. I was right. going to say, and I turned to Glenn and was like, man, that's a weird sign. Have they ever had any trouble like that? <laughs> You see, that would have been a good line of questioning with the waitress. Yeah. Just be like, you know, we don't understand the sign. You know, can you explain it to us? Just play dumb about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's say the shortest straw may have been drawn there, but let's let's move on from there. So we had a nice, uh, nice dinner there. Yeah. Um, it was funny that. Dave, no cheeseburger. He orders a chicken sandwich, but then it was definitely not brought the chicken sandwich that he ordered. <laughs> they he brought, was just like, I don't really think I ordered this, but I'll just eat it they anyway. They brought him a cheeseburger? Uh, no. Um, so we left there. Now we get to dodging death. So we <laughs> drive out of the parking lot onto Beltline Road. We've got the Waze function going. It's telling us we need to be going the other way. Um so we approach an intersection and, you know, someone could just turn left and then, you know, get in a park lot and, you know, turn right on the road or pull a U-turn at a safe juncture. Point break, Dave point, pulls up to the intersection. The oncoming traffic, they're not like beginning to approach from a stop to light. Like they've, they're coming. This is a parade of vehicles. We're at a standstill. And suddenly he just basically says, screw it. And just, it was like a Fast and the Furious, tires squealing, really fishtailed a little bit. Uh, to be honest with you, I was, I was genuinely concerned for about two seconds. I didn't think about former professional, you know, drag racer. That never came to mind. I was just in shock that we were just veering across the road. Did you kind Making of, a, was, would you equate the experience to perhaps being like riding on a lit fuel barrel, perhaps? <laughs> All I know is my cell phone like just flew across the car. See, and this is what's wrong with going to events with Point Break Dave is because he's probably already getting all nervous because he's only going to get there two hours before it starts instead of four. And it's he's willing to now take dangerous chances with other human lives just to get there on time. I will say we... As is important, timed it perfectly. Man, <laughs> like we walked in, sat down, and within two minutes, we were treated to the start of the show. So speaking of the walk-in, so we park, we're walking through the parking lot. We see, first we thought there was another group of folks that were doing some kind of a bit because they were all dressed like in suits and like tuxes and stuff. So we thought... Well, that's a great idea for you know for a wrestling event. It turns out next door to Southside there was a separate event going on <laughs> that 
the individuals were too old to be going to a prom, or it wasn't a school related. And I guess it's summertime anyway. I don't know what it was. Probably but they a, were not there for NXT. A quinceanera, I'm sure. Um, don't no, don't think so. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it was not a quinceanera. Um, you're you're, cl- you're close, but not quite. Um, um hold on, real quick. We won't uh, reveal this at this time, but Glenn and I came up with a great bit of our own for our WrestleMania trip. Yeah, we have to talk offline about that. Yes. Oh, boy. Does this involve wearing suits? <laughs> we came up with this at, uh, at dinner when we weren't speaking about starting a new podcast. It's just the two of us. <laughs> I guess that's what you have to do when you get to that place is you have to talk about starting a new podcast. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Not a bad idea. So on the walk in, there's a, the the parking lot. And there's like a a two lane road that goes between the the parking lot and where you know the site itself is. There there are people walking across the street, up and down the street. Um, D- Dave is to my right. I'm not looking at my phone or anything, so I'm not distracted. I'm just walking, but. You know, in your periphery, you can tell whether there's a, a literal car driving towards you or either side of you. You could pick up on that. What I didn't pick up on was some kind of Dave. It, it, that guy flew by in such a flash. I don't know if that was one of those lime bikes or some other kind of oh, moped. the old scooter accident. It was some kind of very quiet electric bicycle or scooter because you couldn't hear it coming. No, I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. David, I'm walking directly beside Dave, so he didn't really stop. So I didn't have anything that kind of triggered me to be like, whoa, or anything like that. So I'm just walking, and all of a sudden, this flash of this bike and this guy in his black T-shirt, there's no way it missed me by more than a foot. Like, I could feel, it was almost like the sleeve of his T-shirt touched me. Unbelievable. Like, I could feel feel him fly by like full speed on this thing. So we almost didn't even, well, I assume Dave would have gone to the event anyway. I almost didn't make it. (laughs) No, it was incredibly close. Like it was, it was closer than a lot of the uh, kicks the women's match was throwing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, which is true. That's a brush back pitch right there. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we're not going to break down the NXT show match by match, but yeah, when something was botched, when you're in row three, you can tell when somebody's boot is like a foot and a half from somebody's face, and they kind of think about it for half a second. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm supposed to like fall out after this." So, but the show was was great. I mean, being that close to the action. So, did you feel like it, they still still went pretty hard at the show, or like we had spoken about last week? Did they? Uh, did it seem like they were wrestling at like kind of a more controlled, safer pace? Dave, what did you think? I'd say like the the notable people, and of course, this is relative to NXT notable, um, were going pretty hard and putting on good matches. You definitely got some people that it was funny. You would like, you know, botches and other things like people that tried to cut some promos on the crowd that were pretty bad. And you're just like, man, this is bad. But then this is also like 
the point of it. Like they're supposed to get out there. It's a right. non-televised and right. It's giving them a chance where yeah. they go to learn, giving them a chance to practice their craft. Basically. <clears throat> but the only, yeah, the only difference was, you know, between, well, I mean, obviously smaller, but between like a raw or any NXT takeover where it's, everything's geared towards the television audience. Obviously there was nothing there. So like it was very interactive with the crowd, like wrestlers. That was their whole bit was trying to get the crowd riled up, like in the middle of matches, rolling out and getting the mic and trying to incite the crowd. So that's always fun. Yeah, no, that's cool. I've, I'm, I've never been to a non-televised event. So I, I think it probably does add a different dynamic, which yeah, that is cool. And and it's cool being in such a small venue as opposed to yeah being in the uh, uh, you know full basketball or hockey arena or God forbid another baseball stadium. <laughs> and I'm yeah. buying stock in Keith Lee. Yeah, that the main event was Keith Lee and Adam Cole, and that was pretty badass. <laughs> it was. I'm a big like, fan of Adam Cole. So. Big fan of that man's work. I texted you the video, Tommy, of Keith Lee doing a second rope moonsault. Yeah, no, and that's a, and for a bigger guy, that was pretty impressive. He's a big old boy. Yeah. And of course, Adam Cole's tiny. Yeah. I think Adam Cole's about my size, but he, uh, he's the champ. Got to show him respect. And he's been in two five star matches already this year, which also much respect for me on. We certainly debated what it would be like to be in row three at WrestleMania. I can't even like imagine. Like being that close to that event. Like how cool it would be at a huge event. I can't even imagine. Close. But I, I mean, I would have, I, I don't know because I haven't looked it up, but I would assume, I mean, we would be talking like thousands and thousands of dollars for those tickets, right? Um, yeah, especially if you don't get them, if you have to get them on the secondary market right, for on sure. Right, the resale market. Geez, I almost paid that much to go see uh, Sean Mendez a couple of weeks, but tough deal there. <laughs> like you almost paid it? Or oh no, I paid it. Paid I just let's much. just I bought two tickets and there was almost a comma involved. But hey, I I golf a lot, so <laughs> yeah. Well, it is important to date your wife. No, it is. It is. It you have to go to we've learned one terrible thing. things. We've learned one he thing. Likes, is he like 17 years old? Yeah, there's there's some talking points there that are a little concerning, but we just try not to think about those. Huh. Kind of like, uh, like when Vince McMahon was interacting with Miss Teen USA <laughs> <laughs> during WrestleMania 23. We just... We just Gloss over some of that stuff. Well, that's a good... Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> Maybe we should just go ahead and review WrestleMania 23 real fast. Wait, so you guys watched that this week too? That's so... What a coincidence. I I just finished it today. I mean, what are the odds that all three of us watched WrestleMania 23? I may have been watching it and looking at the time we just said we were going to start recording and looking at the time <laughs> remaining like... Got it by four minutes. <laughs> well, like you said earlier in this very show, it's very important to time it. It is. So WrestleMania 23, this is a very redundant sentence, was the 23rd annual WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> for 
produced by the World Wrestling Federation, and it took place on April 1st, 2007 in Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. I did not know that Ford Field was open for business in 2007, so that was a surprise to me. I, for some reason yeah. in my mind, had it that that was a newer venue than uh, 2007. I think it was a couple of years old, because I think in 06, they hosted the Super Bowl. So it was probably like two or three years old by that point, or by WrestleMania 23. I've been there bragging montage. Whoa. I've I've stood next to it bragging montage. It would be a good venue for that because they could fit... They fit 80,000 in there, but obviously you have people seated on the floor. I, I think the capacity for a football game is maybe 70 tops, but they designed it where it's a little smaller and you're more like on top of the action. So it would actually work for this event pretty well, I think. Well, it's funny you should mention that because the yeah, event set an all-time Ford Field attendance record of 80,103 people. It grossed $5.3 million in ticket sales, breaking the previous record of $3.9 million. And WWE estimated that the event generated $25 million for the Detroit economy, which we all know could desperately use the money. Boy, in the Detroit ex- going well exchange in Detroit. rate, that's like a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it was bought 1.2 million times on pay-per-view and at the time was the most bought WWE pay-per-view in history. Wow. Later to be surpassed by 2012's WrestleMania 18. What? 18 or 28? 28. I'm not good at reading Roman numerals. Let's yeah. say 28, which is and also the, theme, the 28th installment of WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> the theme for this one was all grown up. If you remember WrestleMania 22, it was big time. And now, a year later, we're all it's grown all grown up. up. A couple of observations that I had at a very high level. I think the difference between last year and then this year was the production value for the entrances seemed to have improved quite a bit. And then the overall set, stage, theming, everything looked a lot more like more contemporary to what it looks like today than where it looked pretty pretty like you and me and Dave like got to the arena the day before like, yeah, well, we could just print out some big banners and hang them here. And this, this seemed a little more professional, a little more well-staged, just, just on a whole, my observation. My on a whole observation, obviously we did 20 WrestleMania 22 last month and now we're doing 23 overall. Like I thought the card on 22 just in a whole was much better than this. Like this, there was two matches, which obviously we'll get to the main event and then one very special match in the middle, which made this whole show great. But outside those two, it was pretty, pretty pedestrian. Yeah, I would argue that you could probably throw both title matches in as noteworthy. And then, yes, the match in the middle, which we'll get to. Uh, But yeah, I agree. In fact, the... uh, so when the event kicked off, it was uh, billed as Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. So they had all three logos. So they've, they've kind of really bought into the whole separate brands thing, even to the extent where they were still running the ECW shows on a different network. Um, and they even you know, went as far as to have the three different announced crews out there, and they were really making an effort to, uh, to focus on the branding. 
But yeah, the first match again, which is cool that they do the Money in the Bank ladder match, which I appreciate. Jeff Hardy, Booker T now fully doing the King Booker bit, which is always great. Oh, yes. Uh, Finlay, again, he's two, two years in a row for him. I, I did not understand that he opened WrestleMania two years in a row. CM Punk, now we're talking. There's some talent <laughs> on display. Mr. Kennedy, somebody I was not familiar with and went down a real Google rabbit hole, Wikipedia rabbit hole on. Didn't know anything about him. He was in my Yeah, I had the same, same reaction immediately as... The contestants were making their way down when Mr. Kennedy walked out. Like, who the f is this guy? Yeah, I have. I, thought, a, I think I thought it was Diamond Dallas Page when he came out. <laughs> I have a very funny, which I should probably dig up and send to you, cell phone video I took of Mr. Kennedy when we went to fan access of Royal Rumble 2006. So that would Mickey actually James. been that would actually been the year before this. Yeah, and he was there and living the gimmick did one of the greatest things. He was walking by and like there's a whole crowd like they had a little podium for him. Everyone was chanting. Of course, Mr. Kennedy I think for his entire run was a heel, and I believe he had a match with Batista at that Royal Rumble, and this little kid is sitting there chanting for Batista the whole time. And then when Mr. Kennedy's getting off the stage, the kid asks him for an autograph, and he grabs his paper and throws it on the ground and goes, you were chanting Batista a second ago, <laughs> and walked off. Good for him, man. you got to live the gimmick inside and outside the ring. It was amazing. The next guy to come out, and Glenn, I really thought of you, was a very... I mean, Matt Hardy looked great. I mean, totally different than the 2019 version that's hobbling around and hunched over. He looked great. And then the worst theme music I've ever heard hits, and it's Orton. Like, what was that? That song he came out to was terrible. I agree. He, he yeah, was I can't so much smaller, it too. Was. No, it was, just, it was just another generic rock song that was probably period correct for 2007, yeah. but it was so bad. And I'm sure we'll say the same thing. I mean, really, the song he comes out to now is not great either, but... I did notice that... Uh... Here in WrestleMania 23, that Saliva had taken over for Shinedown as like the official, Boy, official bad band of WrestleMania. <laughs> that is right in the wheelhouse of the demographic. So of course we're not going to go, we're not going to go uh, move by move or anything. So I'll tell you guys a couple of things I had as high points, and then interested to hear what you had. Um, they finally did one thing in this match, which I wish they would do in all ladder matches, which is they do the spot where somebody tries to climb the ladder just really fast, which would, would be what you would actually do if it was a shoot ladder match. <laughs> you would just try to get up there as quick as you can instead of deliberately going step by step. They had a funny spot with a step ladder. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I liked that. Um, Jeff Hardy did a massive dive off the ladder out of the ring, which was insane, but that's totally, uh, uh, totally correct for that period of his career. Indeed. And it was at a point where it seemed that he could just win the whole match at that point, but instead of going to get right. the, just, the briefcase, he turns around and's like, "No, I'm making this jump. This yeah. is what this is what the people would want." If you want the ultimate, there was a funny line the King had in this match. So Charmel, his Booker's, I guess, wife slash manager, 
she had gotten involved in the match and Booker's in a situation where he has to choose to go up the ladder or save her. And the king says, don't worry, Booker, I've left plenty of women in my life. <laughs> There's a little peek behind the curtain there. Somehow Fit Finlay got busted wide open during this, which was humorous to me. Oh, yes. uh, my favorite part was, you know, the, the Hardy Boys involvement, but then Orton RKOing, I think, one or two people off of the ladder. Always good. Always good. So would and you like ultimately, to... Mr. Kennedy wins it. Yeah. So would you like to know what happened after Mr. Kennedy won? Because this is another... Well, I told you I went down the Mr. Kennedy rabbit trail online. Do you do you guys either of you guys know what happened in the aftermath of this match? Was uh, he no. one of the few to cash in unsuccessfully? Well, you're close, but not exactly correct. Because I, I, I feel like, you know, most of the, the big cash ins like I was had awareness or they've been replayed. So Mr. Kennedy was one of the few to actually lose the briefcase in a match. And what they did is apparently he sustained a real injury during the ladder match. I'm not sure exactly when that was going to cause him to have to take a bunch of time off. So I believe the very next night on Raw, they cooked up some real half-baked um, scheme where he would face Edge that night and the winner would get the briefcase and he lost in short order to Edge. And then <laughs> Edge, spoiler alert for later in the show, goes on to successfully cash in the briefcase and win his first title against The Undertaker. Indeed. Now you know the rest of the story. Right. So, match two. Wait, hold on. Other things from the latter match. <laughs> Hornswoggle made an appearance. Yes. Dude, he took a rough bump off that ladder. Yeah. Hornswoggle is a small person. Yes, he is. I believe at one point there was a storyline where he was an illegitimate son of Mr. McMahon, too. <laughs> and also, I don't know if you guys saw on, on this past Monday on Raw when they had uh, R-Truth and Drake Maverick out there. They were going to fight for the 24-7 title, and R-Truth referred to Drake Maverick as Hornswoggle. <laughs> Dude, our truth is a treasure. First ballot, calling it the Hall European title all the time. First ballot, it's the best Hall thing we're doing right now. <laughs> it really is. Okay, so the second match on the card was Kane against the Great Kali. Yes. Yes. So great. What you guys think about this one? <laughs> well, Great Kali has never had a good match, so there's that's a problem, and he's very awkward in the ring, and all of his punches and chops and that double thrust thing that he does are all t look terrible. So I'm not a fan of that match. And I feel bad that they stick Kane in there to have to try to figure out how to get a match out of the guy. And then take a clean loss in the middle. Yeah. And get choked with the yeah, chain. <laughs> so it was that. I feel like they just kind of slogged around for about five, six minutes, and then somebody got pinned, and that was about it. Yeah, and, yeah. and Kali is definitely what you would call an attraction because he is well over seven feet tall, but yeah. And he, and he still appears from time to time. Wasn't he in the Royal Rumble this year? Am I not mistaken that when we were in uh, Arizona? He was in one of the 
Rumbles the last couple of years. I don't know if he was at the one we were at live. I don't but, remember a seven foot four hundred pound guy. Oh, you know what? I, I'm thinking ropes. of the the Saudi Arabia. He was in Saudi Arabia. He was. He, in, he, uh, I think he was. In that. That's what it was. I knew he was in something recently. My that goes back to Vince still having that kind of circus promoter. It's an attraction. You know, if that guy was walking through the airport, people would notice him. He still has that soft spot, even for guys that can't wrestle. If they're just some kind of marvel to look at he likes that absolutely so then we go on to another guy that i had no idea like you could have given me other than the fact that it said mvp on his trunks i have no idea i've never seen a match with that guy before did you know who he was dave i'm sorry did you know who mvp was oh yeah because i mean i was still this wasn't quite my dark period Okay. And they had real high hopes on him. I and what's funny is I remember watching that and being like, man, I don't remember I know his run wasn't very long, but I don't remember like why he left or when. And I don't I don't know what year it was. It was at some point when I quit watching, he suddenly was no longer around. Well, Considering who he was wrestling for this title and what happened soon after this event, he may have just said, you know what, maybe I just won't be a wrestler anymore. As he was he was taking on Chris Benoit for I think this was for the US title. It was the US or title. Intercontinental one of the two? US. Um so my first note we talked about MVP. My first note was that MVP looks like a guy who won some kind of a drawing to be in this fight. <laughs> That's fair. And they, they really cooked up a stupid name for him, too, because they gave him like yeah. they gave him the name MVP, but then he also has the name Montel Vontavious Porter MVP. Like that that is so Vince McMahon right there. Just that is. out of touch, Vince. And the other thing was, was he trying to pass himself off as an African American? Because he's not. He's not. No, his name is like I looked him up on. I looked him up on Wikipedia. His name's like Muhammad Hassan, and he's from Middle Eastern descent. And they have him playing a guy named Montel Vontavious. Like that's another thing that WWE is notorious for is they like find a guy from Kentucky and they're like, "Look, you're going to be a Russian, okay?" (laughs) So Rusev's from Nashville. It looks like he. Departed in 2010. He he gained the United States Championship and then lost it to our very own Kofi Kingston. Whoa! Whoa! 52-year-old yes. Kofi Kingston. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we verified that in the last episode. We did. I, I thought this match was actually pretty good. I wouldn't say great, but it, it went. I thought this guy was set up for like a huge fall. I didn't know any of the backstory. But I thought, you know what? They're just building up this guy for a WrestleMania appearance, and then Benoit is just going to come out here and just, it's going to be like squashed in about a minute 10. So you Benoit know, still here, did take the clean pin, which is something. And Benoit gets good matches out of everybody, which is why he was widely beloved until something happened. And then they erased all memory of him. So. His almost his last match was 
he got in a triple threat for the number one contendership to the IC title, which was held by Ziggle Wiggle at the time. Oh, yeah. And he gets in a triple threat with Cody Rhodes when he was in the WWE and Drew McIntyre. Well, well, well. <laughs> well. And that was like McIntyre first run before he gets fired and then comes back through NXT, right? Yeah. Wow. And MVP won it. Man. But then lost the Ziggle Wiggle. So of the three of them, who do you think is doing better today or doing the worst of those three today? I would have to say MVP is not at the Drew McIntyre, Cody Rhodes level right now. Man, you want to talk about a dream I've given up on completely is the Drew McIntyre title shot of any kind dream. It's, <laughs> it's, it's gone. It's over, guys. But Baron Corbin's getting a few of them to make up for it. So that's yeah. The, Every week. L- last uh, last note I have about this match, I noticed Michael Cole saying for what I think is the first time I recall, he referenced somebody trying to get their WrestleMania moment, which is something that annoys me to this day. And this may have been the first time it was ever said or or one of the first times during this match. And that is a uh, a term that I hate. Cause they That's a run, weird term to hate. Just like WWE does with many things, they run it into the ground. Everybody now is looking for their WrestleMania moment. And apparently, so Benoit MVP in, was. He, he ends this with a, a flying headbutt off the ropes, which, I mean, that was one of his signature moves, right? Yes, contributed to his CTE. Right, and that was the first thing I thought of was like, was that the one? Was that the final concussion that led to the CTE that led to him murdering his son and his wife and then hanging himself on a lat machine? <laughs> that made you homicidal. <laughs> to ultimately become a punchline on a podcast. Do you think he ever thought that as he was putting in the pen on 300 pounds? <laughs> He's like, someday three jack wagons are going to going to use this as a punchline, which by the way, I personally do not view that as a punchline. I'll be very clear. That was Glenn three underscore 11. Do you have any, yeah, that's right. any thoughts Twitter. about that? Glenn three underscore 11. So there was an interlude between this match and the next match where they went through the hall of fame inductees. We won't get bogged down here too much, except that notable, Jim Ross goes in and I was listening to his podcast this week and he actually talked about this night because he had gotten Stone Cold Steve Austin to, uh, to, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the word, uh, to give his, uh, I guess, nomination speech or whatever they call it. Induct him. His induction speech. There it is. Induction speech. There you go. My CTE's kicking in apparently. It's fine. And it's because fine. you don't own any, uh, exercise equipment, so we feel pretty safe. <laughs> hey, I deadlifted this morning. Hey, so did I. Yeah, got the uh, got the twenty fives on there now, so feeling pretty good. Hey, I was I was telling Dave a story about that that I've gotten back into that, and the uh, the lifting part of it has has gone fine, but the uh, walking the weight back up to the rack, I had a very scary moment oh. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're when you're coming off an injury, man. That's not a that's not good. Yeah. It felt like the leg was about to give out, and I was fortunately I was in a position where I could just drop it because it was almost an oh no moment. Let's we're about to go back to square one, I think, but we're we're fine. Let's move forward. 
So that, but what he, uh, what Jim Ross had said on his podcast was that I think that they had wanted him to be inducted last because uh, Stone Cold was gonna was gonna give the speech, and uh, and then at the last minute they realized that Dusty Rhodes was just so wild and unpredictable that they they couldn't put him anywhere else but last because they didn't know what he was gonna say, and then apparently he brought the house down, which um, the episode I was listening to was kind of a tribute to him because I think it's been maybe ten years since he passed, so. Merry Christmas to, to you and all your friends. <clears throat> Next match, we've got Teddy Long in the ring, and he does not look like he's doing well. Because I remember him when he used to be fat. He looks very gaunt. So can I, uh, can I interrupt? Because I believe in between Chris Benoit uh, destroying MVP with Hall of Fame inductions... But then was it at this point, maybe I just didn't take notes on a match, but was it at this point that we went to our current president back in the dressing room? Oh, wow. Yes. Sorry about that. Please. This is important. So this was, I, this is, I watched to this point last night and then had to get through the rest of it today. Like sometimes during my commute back and forth to work, I'm watching WrestleMania. <laughs> My phone's propped up, like in the console, where I can see it while I drive. Well, if you must, yeah, we if you must know, I watched about an hour of Stomping Grounds uh, while making my commute back from uh, being out of town. So I support so you. There you go. I support you. So uh, yeah, we go back to the the dressing room, and there's our our current president, Donald Trump, and shockingly sitting next to a woman who has a giant chest. <laughs> Which has happened a couple times in his life. They said it was like one of the, the most recent Miss USA. I don't know if that's verified or true. Well, they had they had a whole sash. they had a whole bunch of uh, yeah pageant winners out in the ring when he came out. So I'm sure it was. But the whole bit was he was going out. I I had no idea. I didn't read the card beforehand, and they said he was going against Vince McMahon. So I, for at least a few seconds, thought. Is he really wrestling Vince McMahon at WrestleMania? They thought there's no way that that's the case. So anyway, he's he's like on a cell phone talking about how great the event is and how great it is to be there. They never say who he's talking to. He's just having some fake conversation. Then all of a sudden, our personal favorite, the boogeyman, stands up from behind the couch. <laughs> Which the girl like runs out of the room and Trump, he was, I thought he was great in this. He just kind of looks at him like he's just real unimpressed. Like, dude, I don't know what your deal is, but I've got better things to do than be scared of the boogeyman. But that was great. That was where I stopped last night. And I'm telling you, like, I was laughing. (laughs) I just about fell out of my seat. I was laughing so hard at that whole scene. Well, and the the funny part about that from my perspective is, so I was watching it with my son, and he only knows Trump as a president. He had no idea, you know, that... So it was real hard for him to wrap his mind around the fact that he wasn't president then. And I was like, yeah, no, he was just kind of a guy, you know, he had a TV show, and he was a rich guy, and, and you know... He was like, in Home Alone <laughs> too. True. <laughs> but yeah, just just he, his his little face trying to light up and then process what he was seeing with the president's dealing with the boogeyman, and then later what what transpires was really funny to me. 
So if we can, yeah, get back to the ring, and we're going to try to pick up the pace through a few of these. But we did have Teddy Long doing the ring announcing for Batista against the the Undertaker, who got the full WrestleMania Druids carrying torches entrance with Pyro and Lightning. Always a big fan of the Undertaker entrance. Which by, so I thought, the, which, by the way, were you guys watching Monday when that happened, or did you read about it before it happened? You saw it happen. No, I, I saw. I was on delay, and I was kind of skimming through, trying to watch it as fast as I could. And as I'm hitting like skip 15 seconds at a time, I skip, and when it skips 15 seconds, it stops, and the lights are completely out. So I have to run it back just real fast. So it kind of got ruined for me, but. Yeah, the surprise Undertaker appearance on Raw. So cool. Charles Robinson was the referee for this. He's still active in WWE today, but he uh, that dude has been around forever. So I thought this match was great. No, this I don't was know this was probably this was probably my favorite top to bottom match, but I'm also a big Undertaker fan. The Michael Cena was great too, but um, I thought this yeah, was a, we'll, this was a really good match. And, and the 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 um, you know kicking out of the Batista bomb like really unexpected, just great great storytelling in the ring. Like I, I unfortunately you know I didn't I had never watched this WrestleMania but I did know about the Undertaker's streak so I know he's going to ultimately win so I did have a little bit of it spoiled but I can imagine if I'm watching that as a uh, you know as a fan of the time without the you know knowledge that the Undertaker's going to win WrestleMania matches for 10 more years before he loses one I was convinced you know you would they had me convinced Batista was going to win that match just the way it played out and the way that the story was told throughout it I was totally bought in. And you always have great buildup with music and the walkouts and everything like that. But that was one of the few where it really looked like when they're standing in the ring about to get started, that this is not an orchestrated event. Like the intensity is like these guys are actually about to start fighting each other. So it was great. It was a great buildup and a, it was a good match too. Yeah. I think that was... Like you said, I don't think it was the the one the most fun match, but it was the best one from like a technical perspective. Yeah, and I and I like you know I appreciate when they have two guys go at it, have a match, and then you you get a legit finish. You know, so Undertaker tombstones him and pins him in the end. You know, not a lot of funny business or controversy, and it you know kind of sets up the Undertaker to uh, to get a little run with the title. So yeah, I was. I was totally on board with the with the whole way it played out thought and thought everybody came out of it looking good and it was a great match. And then we cut to backstage for my favorite part of the show. You've got Vince McMahon talking to Stephanie's baby <laughs> in its bassinet with a oddly placed camera inside the bassinet looking back up at grandpa. But you're getting the, the point of view of the baby is what you're getting. <laughs> The POV of the baby, yes. While you could see Stephanie there shocked, and Vince is just going down this litany of things he's going to do to Trump. He's telling this baby (laughs) that he's going to give Trump a skull fracture and just uh, just every every violent term he could come up with. And then we have an amazing case of Vince bad acting, and he starts to act like he's 
noticed something offensive and he's sniffing and then he asks Stephanie, do you smell that stuff? And she kind of leans into the bassinet and smelling. And he says, <laughs> line of the show, I think she just took a trump. <laughs> oh. Oh, so Vince she- never disappoints. If Vince no. is on camera, it's going to be gold. Yeah. Well, but at least back then, like you compare then to now, and he's clearly lost a step or five. Because oh, yeah. now he just seems like kind of a crazy old man. Like back then, he was he was much more it. believable and charismatic as a villain. Yeah, and unfortunately, my son picked up on this because his comment to me during that part was, "He goes, wow, Dad, I really liked Vince McMahon back then." And I was like, "Yeah." And then he, his next question was, "Well, how old is he now?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, pal. <laughs> he was spry and with it back then." Yeah, so not then, so much anymore. So then to Dave's point of odd match booking, we have this bizarre ECW originals versus the new breed match. Like, I, I almost fell asleep before the intros were done. I'll tell you this. Like, you won't find a bigger Rob Van Dam fan than I am. Love the guy. Uh, have a pretty fond memory of Sabu and some of the crazy stuff he did. But I had the same thing. Like when this, the entrances were happening, I was like, I don't have time to watch this. <laughs> so were you guys also convinced that one of the guys in the new breed was our truth or was that just me? Oh, Elijah Burke. It's yeah. not. Spoiler no, alert. It's not. It looks a lot like him though. Uh, I didn't I, I, that. I didn't ruin it for my son because he was like, that's our truth. And I was like, yeah, I think it is. And then I looked it up on, uh, Wikipedia, and then I just didn't have the heart to tell him, so I just let him continue believing it was our truth. So, but I didn't skip this match. I watched the every second of this thing. Matt Stryker, did you guys watch it? I I am gonna confess that I skipped through a lot of this one because I kept thinking, well, I'll skip through till they get the weapons or the tables or the chairs out, and they never did. You need to watch it. It's only like a five or six minute match. Matt Stryker, who is part of the new breed, who I just remember his gimmick was he was a teacher at one point. Anyways, his cell jobs in this match, like, stole the show. Like, you need to go back and watch it. He was <laughs> flawless. Well, I will. No, I, you know what? I will do that because I, I really was disappointed, though. My, my, you know, kind of big note in this match is like, okay, we, we build this match as the ECW originals you've got. Dreamer, you've got Sandman, you've got RVD, and nobody's bleeding, nobody's hitting anybody with anything crazy, and they just kind of have this, yeah, whatever, you know, five minutes of wrestling and then move on. And that, yeah, that to me was a miss. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, pretty uneventful. It was the second worst match on the card. We'll get to the worst (laughs) one. Yeah, we know what the worst one's about to be. By far the worst one. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get so there we have there. three more left. Yeah. So so yes. what we're treated to now is something that I actually thought was pretty cool. It's an empty barber chair with its own entrance music, <laughs> being I guess the bil- pulled down the, uh, the pulled down the aisleway with some kind of a rope or strap. Yeah. For the billionaire bald match, which is not. It was not between Vince McMahon and Donald Trump, but Trump. But it was, uh, 
It was Bobby Lashley was wrestling on behalf of the Donald. And what's the name of the guy? Umaga. Tattoo face. Umaga. Umaga, who is no longer with us and died at a very young age. Umaga. Oh, sorry. Whoa. Umaga is part of the Anoa'i family. Yeah. Which. You mean. So, my name's Joe. Yeah. So the Rock is over. He's kind of like the the brother of the grandfather. The Rock's on one side. The other brother had Yokozuna under him, Roman Reigns, uh, Umaga, and Rakishi. And the Usos. Rakishi's sons are Jay and Jimmy Uso. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So Umaga was Jimmy and Jay Uso's uncle. But something... (laughs) I don't know what it was. I didn't read what it was, but Umaga died December 4th, 2009. So indeed something threw him over the rope pretty quickly (laughs) after WrestleMania 23. But those were legit. Like that wasn't makeup. He he had facial tattoos, right? He did. Yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm watching this match. And again, I was not watching wrestling during this time. I was thinking they've got this great gimmick of Vince and Trump, and like th- those seem like two really odd wrestlers to represent them. I know Lashley was maybe a little bigger at the time, but I don't think Umaga was ever huge. And I thought of all the guys you have back there, like that's the best you could do for, you know, somebody that the crowd's really going to be in favor of, and then some, you know, evil villainous person to work for the McMahons. I don't know. Maybe but, Dave can. Dave was watching back then. Maybe he. Maybe I'm wrong here. But that did I'm, seem like a weird choice. If I'm remembering correctly, Vince had like a battle royal or some kind of match with multiple people, and whoever won was going to be his guy. And Umaga won, but I don't remember who else was in that match. And I'm not sure how Trump picked Bobby Lashley, but. <laughs> Yeah, that was my first uh, my first thought of if we had to stage this today and you approached Bobby Lashley and said, hey, you're going to be appearing at a major event. You're going to be representing Donald Trump. What is his response? <laughs> well, I can't do the accent, but yeah. He it would be a, it would be a hard pass. Yeah, and he is the same. It is so strange cuz I Noted that, uh, so this goes back to 07, I guess. So we're 12 years, you know, not that Batista looks terrible now, but compared to what he looked like then, I don't think he's aged real gracefully. Right. I don't think The Undertaker is aged that well. Definitely not. I don't think Michael Cole and his soul patch is aged <laughs> very well. Bobby Lashley looks exactly the same. He has the same trunks he has the same bit everything is the same and you hey, know what else it doesn't crack man i'm telling you it doesn't because i had that exact same thought and then immediately followed by man trump looks the exact same too he's only put on weight is all like yeah but he doesn't look that much different yeah it looks the same but he's he's just put on weight is all he's just fatter than he, than he used to be. No, and the whole the whole out, thing was surreal Trump, with with the crowd cheering him at different points and being real pro Trump. It was just such a surreal thing because he does look the same. So it's almost like 
you know, when I'm trying to explain, you know, explain it to my son, because he's like, he looks exactly like he does now. And I'm, yeah, it's just, just surreal. So did you, during his entrance, he comes down with the girl with the huge knockers and he's looking at the camera and he gives the real weird this sign. <laughs> yeah. There was only yeah. one part missing from that sign. Yeah. <laughs> so he, I think he was trying to give a peace sign, but he had his hand reversed. He just didn't have the tongue in the middle. <laughs> I'm like, what is, is he trying to do a bit or is he just that awkward? I think the answer is the second one. There was is, a lot but, of times in that match where he looked real awkward. And it was funny because the, uh, the bit with the boogeyman was so great. And then in the match, you kind of felt bad for him because it's like he just until the end is just standing over there. Right, with and nothing he, really to do, but they keep showing him on camera. Just, yeah, it just kind of goes, come on, Bobby, let's do this. Yeah, like, Shake what's going off, on Bobby? here? So, but the wild card to this whole match, and maybe this is why it was kind of second-tier booking wrestler-wise, the ref is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which is great. And this is definitely in the time when he can't really do much. I mean, he's, you know, hurt, neck, back. I mean, he's... They, they want to get him on the big shows because he still gets a reaction, but there's not much else he can do. So having him, you know, as the foil of the McMahons in this was great. Um, there was a funny spot where, which you never see, but they both competitors are basically knocked out and he's doing the standing 10 count and he gets to nine and you think, oh my gosh, he's going to count both guys out. Nobody's going to get their head shaved. And then he gets to nine and then he just walks off to the corner and it's like, nah. And he just waits it out until somebody gets yeah. up. So it's first, as we're going back and forth here with him, his music hits, and he walks out, and he's in the, the wrestling shirt with the sleeves cut off. Of course, it's Stone Which Cold. Which I made note of that for a future idea. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he managed to give, during the course of this match, that had, it had to last like 20, 25 minutes total. Yeah. Um, everybody but Lashley got a stunner <laughs> at some point in time. It goes back and forth. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we got to get to the finish, but when uh, Lashley pulled down the top rope and Umaga went over, yeah. I feel like that had to be like, he was supposed to catch part of the rope and kind of slow himself down or something because he went just flat back to the floor. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, yeah. He's knocked it, yeah, he's that, like Goldberged himself in the match. Looks yeah. so brutal. JR and the King kind of freaked out when 400 pounds of Umaga went over the, the top rope. So ultimately, it goes back and forth. Uh, Steve Austin is refereeing the match, and he'll get into it. Well, not really with Lashley, but with the other, the big guy, the dead Samoan. And they get an argument, and he stunned him. Shane McMahon made an appearance at some point in time. Stone Cold got knocked out, and he's outside of the ring during the course of it. It goes back and forth and back and forth. Shane hits the coast-to-coast uh, with a trash can on Bobby Lashley. Yes. And then takes and off like his the, suit and has a referee shirt on, and Shane's the new rep. Right, and he's a, he gets to two and two and a half for Lashley to win, and then, then Stone Cold pulls Shane out of the ring, climbs back in, gives Umaga the stunner, and then Lashley pins him for the win. And then so uh, 
so so Lashley wins. Trump. Well, no, no, hold on. Before we get to that, um, shortly before that, Vince is ringside yelling at Shane Lashley. I don't know. All of a sudden, Trump out of nowhere comes over and clotheslines. Gives him the Vince gives him a spear. <laughs> Spears him and then punches him in the head. Yeah, like throws three some times. throws some elbows down on him. Which I think I heard that story on. I don't know if it was something to wrestle or which podcast it was, but they had to. They really had to talk Trump into, "Hey, you, you got to. This can't be. Yeah, you got to lay it in, tap, and you got to hit him." And he's like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to hit Vince. I don't hit Vince. And Vince was like, "Dad, gum pal, you're not gonna hurt me like that." <laughs> So that was great just to see Trump's just awkward kind of bloody body, you know, spear somebody and have some awkward punches. So anyway, Lashley, that, that's our president. I want to say this about our president. You know, you watch some things and you're like, man, that guy's a natural athlete. Whatever the opposite of that is, that's what Trump is. Like everything looks so <laughs> awkward. It's just so labor, just walking. So funny. But then they, they do a pretty lengthy shave scene. You know, Vince kind of tries to escape and gets thwarted. He gets carried back to the barber chair by Lashley. He gets stunned again. He gets put in the chair. They strap him down to the barber chair. They shave his head. Then they get shaving cream out and like go after him with some Gillette fusions or whatever those were. <laughs> Like the ten blades on him. Yeah, and, and the whole time he's just doing all of his Vince expressions, and like again, you know, watching it with my eight-year-old son, he's just has never seen anything this great in his entire life as this whole shaving scene. Because I kept wanting to like, okay, we gotta get the picture. Let's let me skip ahead to this. You know, we gotta get through this. No, you can't fast forward. We gotta see this. We gotta see this. Okay, all right, we'll get through it. If I'd have known what match was next, I would have not been in a hurry to fast forward. Or watch it with your son. Yeah, well, we, we didn't watch it. That was a, uh, hey, buddy, um, dad needs some alone time with the TV. <laughs> this was, so we're um, two hours and four, oh, before this terrible match, Stone Cold did give Trump the stunner at the end, and Trump sold it worse than basically anyone ever has in history. He just kind of slowly fell over. Yeah, like the the athletic part of the cell was terrible, but he laid in the ring like he the aftermath of like acting like you're actually hurt was pretty good. And it like everything about this just cracked me up. Like him and Vince when he clotheslined Vince, <laughs> Trump like laying quote unquote knocked out in a pile of shaving cream in the <laughs> ring. Like everything just cracked me up. I'm like, what am I watching? Like, what is this? It's just so surreal. So I, okay, I, so I had a thought about this women's match. I wanted to get you guys opinion on it. So I didn't okay. really watch it very closely. Um, because you know, I had my son in the room. So I was thinking we could just get Ashley Massaro to come on the podcast and kind of talk us through the match. Well, I was wondering if, you know, she's not maybe one more title run in her if she comes back. Well, yeah, we could ask her that when we have her on the show. Okay. So the ratio is like 50-50 as to people on the card that are still alive today. Because I wasn't 100% sure when she walked out if that was the now dead 
I couldn't remember if her name was Ashley or not. Because what a great, what a great character name. Just your first name. Like who thought of that? In the most common first name ever. <laughs> yeah. Like Elias is a unique name. Oh wow! Here comes Mike. You know that doesn't that doesn't work. So we're two hours and forty five minutes in to WrestleMania before we have a women's match of any kind. And we definitely could have cut this out. Who Who is the champ that she went against? Um, like Malena or something yeah. like that? Terrible. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad all the way around. I'm this, reading here that yeah. it was not the lowest rated match on the card. It was the second lowest. The lowest was what Kane was the versus lowest? the Great Khali. Okay. I'm... Yeah, I could see. I mean, those are both terrible, but this was like, this was like Dana Brooke level bad. <laughs> and it was a, it was a lumber Jill match, which had me just shaking my head throughout the whole thing. I don't think I skipped it, but I didn't really watch it really closely. So the, I know the that, entire match uh, was three minutes and 40 seconds, by the way. Yeah. So Ashley lost in this match much as she's now lost in life. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Yes, indeed. Was there a lap pull down involved in hers or? I don't know. Did we ever hear that? Was this, was this uh self-inflicted on purpose or some sort of accidental <laughs> issue? Oh no, this was a, uh, this was a Robin Williams type event. Oh my. Let me just click yeah. uh, death here. Well, let's see. You're listening to live coverage of how did Ashley Massaro die of death? Oh, so 123. Yeah, indeed. Um, her death was due to a suicide by hanging. Mm. Uh, indeed. Well, certainly our condolences to her family and all the lumber jills out there. Now, I think it's safe to say that it's main event time. It it definitely is. We have got, and I enjoyed this. We've got the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. We've got John Cena, who comes to the ring, wildly driving a Mustang down the, uh, I guess, the bowels of the Ford Center. It's got to be a Ford, right? Ford Center. It's got to be a Mustang. Ford, right. And then he gets out. The music pops. Son standing on the couch, shirts coming off. <laughs> I was excited, dude. I love that theme song, man. That 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 always is gonna get me popping. We may need to get Tommy to read the lyrics of the John Cena theme. <laughs> Dramatic reading, like, like a masterpiece theater style. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The uh, the match was thirty minutes and five seconds. So this was a lengthy affair. So this is I was. I was never bored doing no, this. No, I, I wasn't either. Sake. And that that goes a lot to Shawn Michaels, too, who's probably, you know, I think when you boil it down, he's thought of as probably the greatest in-ring performer in WWE history, and if not the greatest, like at least top three. And he's, I mean, he's had classic matches, and I think this is, you know, the part of his career where he's certainly winding down. Now, of course, he had several other stops and starts and runs. But, I mean, this is certainly a torch-passing type of a moment for them at WrestleMania. You know, Cena has been around a while, but is certainly, you know, on the way up. 
you know, this is kind of that opportunity for them to put on a great match and for, you know, Sean to kind of, you know, in a way pass the torch to Cena. But there was so much cool, I mean, so many cool and violent moments in this, you know, so they're both bleeding at different points. Cena, when he, I guess he took the pile driver with the stairs, like, like legitimately had like a gash on the top of his head. Yeah, it was... There were so many cool spots in this. Like, you get to the end, there were so many, like, reversals, and then just, like, you know, spots where they chain about six or seven moves together. And I think this may be Cena's best match. And like you said, I think Shawn Michaels is the vast majority of the reason why, but this is probably the best match I've ever seen Cena in. Yeah, so there's a great moment it's probably about 80 percent of the way through the match and and cena gets him in the the stfu right in the middle of the ring he's got it locked in deep and you think okay what's going to happen here and michaels won't give up and he won't give up and they're working and working and working and he finally gets to the rope and you're and you know and it's just you know it's a great moment because he's like he basically uses his last bit of energy to get to the rope and the crowd's hot they get up, there's a little bit more of a battle, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Sean hits the sweet chin music, like, pops him right in the middle of the ring and gets, you know, gets to the cover pretty quick. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe... Because I didn't know it was going to happen. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. They're going to, they're gonna like, put Sean over, and Cena kicks out, and it's just that moment of half the crowd just elated and the other half just, no! Because <laughs> Cena's always been divisive. Yeah. Yeah, but that was interesting because you didn't really have like a good versus bad type theme to this because they were actually the world tag team champions champs with each other at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're going against each other for the WWE title. Which is great. Which that, yeah, no, that was great, great storyline. And uh, yeah, I had it down as like the match of like a thousand finishing moves. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. He may have only hit the the sweet chin music just that once maybe there was one other time there was a couple times where it was teased and and cena would like get up or move just in time or i think he speared him one time it was he was trying to kick or whatever but each both wrestlers went through either they did their finishing move or it was teased and narrowly averted like five times a piece so it was choreographed like perfect back and forth and i i had no no idea who was going to win we just reviewed wrestlemania 22 and it was cena and triple h right that was the That's main correct. event the year yes. before yeah so cena won that so i'm thinking are they gonna have him win back-to-back years main event but obviously they did <laughs> spoiler alert and chris benoit murdered his family <laughs> spoiler alert yeah Cena goes over, gets the STFU back on in the middle. Sean like hangs in forever and finally taps out, which is a great finish. Mixed reaction from the crowd, but I was all about it. I thought it was great. And uh, you know, if as we're going through these, I guess what this was the ninth best WrestleMania. We've got eight more to go. Yeah, this was ranked yeah. in our very heavily researched and investigated you know, ranking that we put together. This was, this was ranked ninth. Although I agree, this one was fine, but in the ones we've watched, I thought 22 was better than 23 by a, I'd say a slight margin, just had more consistency across the board. 
Yeah, and I and I think Dave's spot on is like this one had a couple of well, it had one just crazy moment, which is the Vince Trump thing, and then one just off the charts, you know, five star match, and then another really good match with the Undertaker that I think lifts it up to you know definitely top ten caliber. But I think probably when we get done with all of them, we'll feel like it was probably pretty properly ranked where it was. Right. So I remember watching this live. And this may be hard to believe, but with the buddies we were watching it with, I remember turning to them during the when Trump attacked Vince. And I was like, guys, in about 10 years, <laughs> Trump is going to be president and there's going to be a thing called Twitter. And they're going to put the CNN logo over Vince McMahon <laughs> and make this video. And it's going to turn this huge controversy and no one believed me, but I was right. Man, so far ahead of the curve. Need to be listening to this guy. So this was ranked number nine. In about a month, we'll do number eight. Tommy, do you happen to have the list in front of you? What uh, what number eight is? If you can vamp for yeah, 10 seconds. I do have it okay. saved. So what we're looking for is Tommy's looking on the list. I, I see your nice... Uh, your nice uh, T-shirt you're wearing there. Yeah, you like this. This is a. Did, did they? Did they play? Uh, I'm talking to Glenn here, not oh. you, Tommy. Did yeah. they play all their games in Montreal, or like half of them? Did they play in Richardson, or? We're, we're in negotiations to bring the Expos back, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna play some of their games at like, like Heritage or Legacy in '75, and some of them at Huffines Park. The next WrestleMania we review will be 24. So it goes 22, 23, 24. Then it jumps back to 19 to 21, 10, 20, 33, and 17 in the number one spot. Okay. Well, that isn't... I was hoping that we had a bounce forward or back here, but we'll just be going to the next year. So we're going to be going to the next year, which will be interesting because, we'll, you know, we've seen Chris Benoit have two really great WrestleMania matches. We'll be very interested to see what he does next year. No? Too soon? All right. Well, it's going to be an inter- intergender match with Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. That's, that's quite enough of that. <laughs>